Welcome, everybody, to Geeking Poetic Podcast Channel. I'm one of your hosts, Larry Roberts. Uh, this finely bearded man over here to my right and your left is my co-host, none other than... Mr. Matt Valukas, rocking that winter beard because it is fiercely cold it out here. It is stupidly cold. <laughs> but we made it. We are shivering down here in the studio just to uh, entertain all of you out there. At the GPC Geeking Poetic Central. It is. All right. So, man, what are we here to talk about today, man? We're not talking about toys. No. We're not talking about sci-fi. No. We're not talking about action adventure. We're no. not talking about rom-coms. None of that no. stuff today. What are we talking about? We ain't talking about love. We ain't talking about love, although we might be talking a little bit about some love. A little bit. We're going to be talking about the Roth era Van Halen albums today. Yes, exactly. We have seven to go through. Most people, most people think about the six. They don't usually think about the reunion one that came out in 2012, but we're making sure that's on our list too, because it is Roth era Van Halen. Yeah, exactly. We're not just going to cover the classic era. We're going to get into that reunion album, which I am very eager to talk about. Indeed. And it's funny because as we talked about this, we were talking about ranking the albums and the reunion album had completely slipped my mind. Like I, it wasn't even on my radar until you mentioned, oh, make sure you get that one i'm like oh that's right they uh-huh. did do the 2012 album and like i said i completely forgot about it yeah no i i think a lot of people do and that's why it's important that we uh include it in here for a, ho- a whole bunch of reasons mm-hmm. aside from what we think of it but it, i mean it does tie in to old early early van halen and for a bunch of reasons but we will get to that when we talk about that album so what we're going to do we're going to do this a little bit differently than a lot of the uh, ranking videos that you've seen uh, us do, as well as other channels, we're not going to go from seven to one or one to seven. What we're going to do is we're going to address them chronologically. We're going to start with the first album here and then work our way up to a different kind of truth from 2012. And as we go through each one, we're going to let everybody know where we rank it. And you'll have little graphics on the screen that's going to show you mine and Matthew's ranking lists. So without any further ado, let me get into for those. I can't imagine who would be watching or listening to this that doesn't know about Van at least Halen. the name Van Halen. But yeah. but there's background to them as there is background with any band. And uh, why don't yeah. you share that with us? Yeah. OK, so the the Van Halen brothers, Edward and Alex, they were born uh, many, 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 moons many ago, moons ago, but they were born in Amsterdam, Holland, uh, to parents that were of Dutch and in Indonesian descent and a lot of music in the house. Their dad was a professional musician. He got them started on piano lessons when they were very young. And then when did they move to the U.S.? They moved to the U.S. I think it was like around 1962, okay. early 1960s. They moved to California. California is the place you ought to be. So they moved there. And uh, ironically, Eddie actually was the one that started out on drums. And Alex kind of was messing with 
everything. He was playing a little guitar. He was playing a little drums. And then Eddie quickly realized that Alex was much, much better on drums than Eddie was. You know? And I always wonder how that conversation goes. Like, was, was Alex that much better? And he's like, screw this. I'm going to do something else. Or was he like, no, no, Alex has this covered. And if he's doing it really well, I'm going to pick up something else and be kick-ass on that instead. Right. I, I, yeah. I've never gotten any kind of clarity from reading things on how that part of it went. But, but they're so competitive, those brothers. Like, it, it just makes yeah. me wonder. Yeah, well, but I mean, talk about two guys that are just such absolute masters of their respective crafts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Eddie probably got pretty quickly drawn to guitar because, boy, talk about a, like a fish taken to water. Yeah. <laughs> it's Eddie Van Halen, you know, yeah. he's he's just one of the absolute all-time greats. Uh, so inevitably, they did various bands, but Van Halen, the band, officially really formed in 1972. Uh, by 1974, they got the core lineup of what we now consider to be classic Van Halen, which was Michael Anthony on bass, and David Lee Roth on vocals and yelps and all his other <laughs> and roundhouse kicks and all his other uh, antics. Nobody did a roundhouse kick better than David Lee Roth in the that, early 80s. That man was limber. Mm -hmm. You know, he still is. You, you watch videos from him from recent years. Yeah. And I mean, he's still that, you know, he's the man. But he's, anyway, he's got drop dead legs. <laughs> he, does. he does. Boy, you're just going to be all <laughs> about. Like, yeah. I mean, they were really, really, really well known and respected around the uh, the whole Southern California, the West Coast scene in general. They played pretty much every club and every backyard party you can imagine between 72 and 77. Uh, they even had little dalliances where Gene Simmons from Kiss tried to get them signed. But that that's a whole book unto itself that you can look up and find out more about that. Uh, that ended up not happening. But ultimately what did happen was producer Ted Templeman discovered them, uh, got them signed to Warner Brothers and – Voila, here we go. By February 10th, I think it was, February 10th, 1978, we get Van Halen, or Van Halen 1, mm -hmm. as some people call, but it's really just called Van Halen. This album did come out in February 10th, 1978. It peaked on the Billboard charts at number 18. So it was not bad for a debut album, man. It, it made top mm -hmm. 20, but you know this wasn't no top 5 hit or anything like people might think. Inevitably, this thing sold over 10 million copies in, in the United States alone. We're not even talking about worldwide. I can't even imagine what the numbers are worldwide but um this is a biggie uh i this this was the uh the face that launched a million ships so to speak you know <laughs> i mean this was this was it it had uh, from the beginning i mean just looking at the set list running with the devil uh, you know is the first song that's that's a biggie mm -hmm. the second song on the album is eruption right eruption which completely redefined Guitar playing. Yes. All, all sorts of great songs. Ain't talking about love. I'm the one. Jamie's crying. Uh, Feel your love tonight. On fire, which is probably my favorite al uh, song on the album. Uh, and then, of course, Van Halen was always known for their cover songs. Mm -hmm. It's got the requisite couple of covers. It's got their famous version of You Really Got Me. And then it's got uh, Ice Cream Man, which is kind of um, an old blues tune. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a blues tune, and it's kind of a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. I think you know it wasn't wasn't like a it didn't burn up the charts or anything like that. But now it's considered an absolute yeah. classic. Man, this is a great album. But I I really would love to know your thoughts on this album. So for me, in general, mm-hmm. Van Halen when I when I first was introduced to them, it was so very different. So I've got that take of what it was like being. You know, that 12, 14 year old kid who, 10 year old kid who had, you know, learned about them the first time. And then when we were tasked with kind of going back and listening to all these albums for the purpose of reviewing them, it was a very different ear when I came back to them. Sure. And one of the things that as I was listening to now, and it's something, if you listen to any of Eddie's playing, there's so much phase on his guitar. Um, you know, it's the phase, it's the distortion that nobody else at that time was really doing, not to the scope that he was. He kind of made that phase of that distorted guitar and, and oh, the, the playing the, of the, it. The, the MXR, the phase 90 yes. and Eddie Van Halen are just synonymous. It, it, yeah, they're synonymous with each other. So, I mean, but you listen to that and that tone that he had on a guitar, especially like knowing that this came out in 1978, which seems forever ago now that we're in the 2020s right but you know when i first was listening to this in the mid early 80s it it 78 obviously wasn't that far but you listen to everything else that was coming out by then and you had you know kiss was doing a lot of the the hard rock and the, and the kick-ass stuff but in my mind as that kid there weren't a whole lot of other bands that were doing something like this right this i mean this was the the birth of so many things of hair metal of glam metal of um you know having a little bit of humor back in the music like a lot of these early albums david lee roth had that that kitschiness about him but it never felt kitschy right. and that's what i always loved about it you know but but, but again my first introduction was eruption into you really got me and you know growing up on the 60s stuff that my dad used to listen to 50s and 60s i knew that song like the back of my hand and here was this rocked up version that was like one of the songs that i loved with all of my heart that was done in this new kick-ass guitar dirty way and it was it was fantastic um so for me those were really big standouts um right you're talking about love the riff on that that starts that song it's just it's iconic Classic. to me like, uh, yeah you it, it is a- like you know it's it's got that energy to it from the get-go it's awesome um and then on the back end of the album you know for me um uh, i'm the one uh, uh man such a good song you know that's great that acapella doo-wop you've got <laughs> this band that is up here and they're rocking and they're you know the, the fan kicks and you know distorted guitar but then here they're jumping into an acapella song and it's not it's not clean acapella i mean you can listen to it and you can hear that they're off beat they're off tune a little bit here and there but but it's got swagger but it's got swagger like mm-hmm. the energy in that just owns it and like the same thing with ice cream man you start with this acoustic like you can tell it's slightly like out of tune and it's just this old bluesy kind of have some fun with it and then you get to that first hit with the drum kicks and the the distorted guitar that yep. just flips a switch like that it was to me, it was like nothing else that I had heard of before this. I agree. And I think that the thing, what's interesting is that there's a lot of other bands that you, they, a lot of bands, they have their first couple albums. They're great albums. Like they may even be classics, but there's a lot of bands that you could say, well, they didn't really get their defining sound until, until later. I mean, even, even a band, people might argue with me about this, but you can look at bands like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. First albums are absolute classics, but you can sit there and go, well, but there's still a little bit of a primitiveness with the, you know, you listen to that first Sabbath, first Zeppelin album, it's mm-hmm. still just really rooted in, in blues and, you know, not really that adventurous yet. Then you get to albums like, you know, uh, 
Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, or you get to Led Zeppelin Four with Stairway to Heaven, and then you go, okay, now uh-huh. this is it. This is the definitive thing. But it took a while. Van Halen defined themselves and let everybody know what they were in for with, with this, this first album. album. You got all that diversity like you talked about. You had everything from doo-wop to 60s rock to something modern that people had never heard before. I mean, again, even talking, like you said, all the influence that this band had. You listen to something like On Fire, and I mean, like that's there's influence there that you can draw a straight line between On Fire and and Pantera, mm-hmm. you know, something that came 20 years later, almost, you know, it's like, or yeah, 15 years later, whatever it was like, even like thrash metal and heavy stuff like this just started everything. Now, here's the here's where it's going to get controversial. <laughs> that being said, for me, uh, people might sit there and go, well, that's got to be your number one Van Halen album. It, it's not. It's not my number one Van Halen album, and there's a couple of reasons for it. For one thing, even though I was aware of this album at a pretty young age, I mean, this album came out when I was five years old, so I I wasn't listening to Van Halen yet. It wasn't much later, but um, so I, I found this album retroactively, and by the time... I heard this album. I had already heard Van Halen 2. I'd heard Women and Children first. I'd heard Fair Warning. And so with that, it it didn't have that same kind of initial impact on me, which I'm sure affects the way I rank this album. Mm-hmm. I love this album. I have to say that any one of these, I probably should have said this at the start of the, the program, but I'll just say it now. There is no such thing as a bad Van Halen album to me. Every one of them is great so this is just a matter of like what one am i gonna like listen to the most mm-hmm. frequently what one had the biggest impact on me when i heard it what one is what the, were you listening to in that formative time where yes, like it, it locked yes. into a core memory what, or something like that right yeah. it's it's gonna be all those mm-hmm. kind of factors and so as such this album as great as it is it isn't that album for me no. um so and plus unfortunately because this album, I guess I should hold it against it, but, but because this album is so iconic and everything, some of these songs, you know, it's like, man, if I don't, I, Running with the Devil's a great song. Ain't Talking About Love is a great song. Jamie's Crying is a great song. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, I've heard those songs so many times. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, any, any given time on Chicago radio, you turn on the, you oh, turn absolutely. On one of the rock stations and you're gonna, within a half an hour, you're gonna hear one of those yeah. songs. So, it does take a little bit of a backseat to certain other ones. So for me, and we'll throw it up there on the chart that you'll see on the screen. For me, this album sits in the lower middle. It's number three. Same. Number really? three. Yeah. Number no three shit. on this one. Yeah. Awesome. See, because yeah. we didn't, we didn't, uh, well, yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about any of this stuff beforehand specifically for that reason. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and for the exact same reasons that you had mentioned, it was discovering this one later on because of, Again, I'm I'm 47. You just turned 50, right? Um, you know, I, but I was born in 76. So by the time that I really discovered music, I was about seven or eight. And you know, at that point, in you know, that was literally 1984 time. So right. to go back to 78 to learn about this, there were so many other albums that had formed my consciousness. That coming back to this one, it didn't have that same impact because of when I was introduced to it. Right, and we can totally acknowledge we know enough and can, can totally acknowledge how incredible and impactful this mm-hmm. album is and was but 
it just didn't have that. We'd already been impacted by other things, and so that's why it sits where it does. Moving on. Van Halen 2, aptly yep. named because it was the second album. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Van Halen 2. Now, this album was released on March 23rd, 1979. It peaked on the Billboard 200 charts at number six. So it was a big leap from the last mm-hmm. album that just barely made it into the top 20. Now we're just scratching at the top five. Mm-hmm. So that was a big peak. However, it did sell less copies than the first album. This one only sold only only, <laughs> only sold over six million. And again, we're just talking about U.S. numbers, mm-hmm. but I don't have the international numbers. That's That's really hard to track. So, <sighs> you know, this is an album. It doesn't have the commercial appeal that the first album does Mm. it doesn't have quite the um what what you might call like the widespread uh awareness of Mm -hmm. a lot of these songs of the public but god damn i love this album man this album just has everything that edward did on that first album i feel like he did just a little bit better on this album you know like there were there were definite you can go back and listen to that first album and you can hear certain things where you're like oh i i knowing eddie and if you heard him play some of those songs later you can go oh yeah he improved on this or certain things got a little bit better i think even some of the lyric writing got better Mm -hmm. and everything um well one of the things that's interesting to me about that like if you go through these lists uh every album they were essentially released one year after the previous one. It's incredible. So it was literally, like the first one was February of 78. Uh, this one was March, March of 79. 79. Women and Children First was March, March of 1980. It was literally, you know, bands, the, the, the record industry is not like that anymore. No. You know, three to seven years in between albums. And when you think about six albums that came out within six years of each other, literally, you know, calendar you could market that each spring you were going to get a new Van Halen album. That to me is astronomical yes uh so so this much like any album from van halen has a cover on it and it's you know you're no good Uh, most people know the linda ronstadt version of that that's more the iconic song and as i was going through and looking at all these i'm like you're you're rocking out a whole album 10 fucking songs a year that's also like you're doing press junkets you are filming your videos you are doing tours and concerts where you can but then you're trying to find the time to write these songs let alone record them and put it all together in a year is insane so like to your point of like they improved upon these songs over time yeah these came out so quickly yes I, I don't think that they really had the time to polish the way they would have wanted to. Like, listen oh, to like probably. Eddie doing what he's doing. Like, he's right. you know, evolved over, you know, years and years and years of playing these. Um, the other thing that really stood out to me is one of the things I love about Van Halen is their love of the cover songs. There's at least one on just about every at album. Least. Um, but when you think about that, if you have to write 10 songs per year, let's throw a couple of covers in there and make them our own. Take well, a little pressure off of ourselves to do that. And let me interject just real quick and say that that's the key part, too, is that they made them their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- you listen to, like, You're No Good, or you listen to You Really Got Me. I mean, their versions, it's not that they're a million miles away from the original, Mm-mm. but what they did to it made them Van they Halen put their songs. their stamp on it. They took... 
they, yes. they basically took those covers and said, what if we had written those songs yes, and, exactly. and played them that way? But for me, like even the songs that are on here, you know, it's really Dance the Night Away and Beautiful Girls. Those are the two that you're going to hear like on your yes. standard classic rock those stations. Those are the big songs. The, the two. The rest of them, you know, Dance, uh, You're No Good, again, uh, Somebody Get Me a Doctor, Bottoms Up, Out of Love Again, uh, Light Up the Sky, Spanish Fly, a great instrumental oh, tune. Yeah. It was like one of those, like it was such a deviation from Eruption. It was great. Um, you know, DOA, Women in Love. Um, for me, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my score out there early. This was my second lowest at number six. Wow. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is because uh, the same thing. Like, for me, it was right around their mid-album release when I really okay. got to know Van Halen. So coming back into them... And rediscovering like those first three albums, this one, it didn't have enough of that latch on me emotionally or anything to say this is a great fucking album. It is, but it didn't it didn't tug on my emotions the way that the other ones do. Fair enough. I I can totally see that. I've heard a lot of other people say that this is such an interesting album because I think this one, maybe along with Fair Warning, this one seems to be one that I find the most division on amongst fans. I find fans that either say, this is the best thing that that era ever did, or I find fans that say, oh, it's the album that came between Van Halen 1 and Women and Children first. Like, it, it, it was just trans- transitory, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Transitional. It got us there. Yeah, it kind of got us there. I am in the former category. This is my number one favorite Van Halen wow. album. It it wasn't always. I have to admit, this was not always my favorite album. This has been, like so many of my favorite albums, this has been one of those ones that ended up really growing on me over the years. And as I got older and older, this album is the one that I kept coming back to. Um Somebody get me a doctor's great uh, DOA. Oh, that riff in DOA is so fucking snaky and gritty. But it's got what is in my top three favorite Van Halen songs of all time. It's got Light Up the Sky. That song, I mean, I've even, I, I even stole a part of that song for a November's Doom song, actually. <laughs> I'll point it out to you later. Um, I, it, it's just incredible the whole side one is really really excellent side two of this album is one of the best side twos of any album that and I like. let's talk about that for a second too. yeah this is this is in the era of vinyl and cassettes where there was a side one and a side two right. and oftentimes side one had a very different feel than side two or vice right. versa where you you could kind of play this story of how each side would go and yeah. i think a lot of that is lost in modern music so when you i think that's really important to say because as we talk at some of the other albums, there's a side two that I absolutely love off agreed. of one, but a side one that just blows me away from another album. Oh, agreed. I mean, yeah, we're kind of blowing through these here tonight, so this isn't like two hours long. But honestly, you got to say, like, we could, I could sit there and really break this down and go, what has the best side one and the best side two, and what would be a what would be a perfect Van Halen playlist? I mean, playlist? We, we could teach a college class on this. If we really <laughs> yeah, to. absolutely. Yeah. This and so many other bands that yeah. we love. But uh, yeah, so for you, this is number six. Yep. And for you, number one. And for me, this is actually number one. Yeah, I. And I gotta say again, the 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 top one, two, three, maybe of these, depending on my mood, they could kind of be mm. interchangeable. Some weeks I might say, no, 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 it's gonna be this one. But 
I, I'm, I feel pretty good about this. I got to say, this, this is the album. This is the one that I would hand any aspiring guitar player and be like, listen to this. Really listen to this. Not just the shredding, but the songwriting and the heaviness and everything. So for Larry, number two is number one. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. We have Women and Children First. Oh, man. What an album. <laughs> this, yeah. There's, there's a lot to say about this album. Yeah. Well, this, uh, here, let me go through the stats yeah, first. So Women and Children First, this was released on March 26, 1980. So like you said earlier, mm-hmm. just b- uh, merely a year later, a year later, mm-hmm. it's only been a couple years and now we're already on our third Van right. Halen album. Peaked at the same place that Van Halen 2 did, yeah. number six. Yes, exactly. And But again, and something I want we'll address as we go, interestingly... This album then sold even less than the previous album, which had sold less than the first album. This album only sold over 3 million copies, so cut in half. Each time, we're cutting it mm-hmm. almost in half. We went from 10 million to 6, to 6 three. to 3, and it's uh, interesting. It's, it's indic- indicative of the times you know we're going into the 1980s now and every time we go into a new decade there's always like a weird period yeah of a couple years where it kind of everybody sort of figures out where who's going to be happening what's and it always seems like like the third year in there's kind of that lock on what the new send is going to be for that generation absolutely that's exactly what happened in the Mm -hmm. 1980s because by 83 that's when you had like the first uh metal bands getting really big like Mm -hmm. quiet riot motley crew uh rat so on and so forth uh, you had the Duran Durans and all of them. Mm-hmm. Really, that's when they became platinum artists. They sort of set that standard. MTV really took hold of music style and the whole culture and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, by like 83. And so Van Halen went through. Um, I mean, they still were hugely popular immensely popular but they went through a little rough period there um not not for lack of talent or writing incredible albums because women and children first is in my opinion is an incredible Mm -hmm. album uh i absolutely love this album this is this is one that uh i'm just gonna throw it out there right like you did with the last one Mm -hmm. i'm gonna let everybody know this was a very very close number two this is number two on my list on certain days and certain weeks if i'm listening to this album and i'm really in love with it at the moment i might go i don't know this is my favorite van halen album because it's got so much to love to it but um thinking about it just being honest with myself it's it's a very very close number two the first of all again we're getting into the side ones and twos Mm -hmm. side one it starts with and the cradle will rock Mm -hmm. i mean again just a mammoth monstrous big song mammoth <laughs> yeah i know uh, and see now i'm getting see? on it too everybody wants some fools and ends with romeo delight which is another and, and think about burger. that so side one is only four songs right four songs uh, going back to you know you're releasing an album once a year it, it's nine songs total um in that time to have a 40 or a 45 minute album wasn't uncommon right. you know today we're used to you know a 60 or 75 minute album all the way through right. there were some limitations to the amount of music that vinyl could hold so right. you're, you're you're that way um you know at the same time i want to go back just a little bit you were talking about yeah. where it peaks and 
you know, we're peaking at number six. We're selling three million versus six versus ten going back. Yeah. At the same time, you know, we think about music today and what's on the radio. Three years is not a long time. People are still not tired of Van Halen one. They're not tired of Van Halen two because they're still being played on the radio. Fair so enough. here's this third album that's coming out that you know, for I think for a lot of people it may just be that um that oversaturation. We've already got two albums. Here's a third one coming out. Oh, I got to go pick it up. It's great. But, you know, when we think about how music was then to today, I often wonder in my mind how it would be perceived by a person of that time. Absolutely. No, that's that's a super valid point. I mean, when the Van Halen 1 album came out, you're talking early 78, and the sound of it was just so revolutionary mm-hmm. and new and different, and we were in the thick of... FM radio rock time, mm-hmm. you know, because in that you think about 1978, you had the other things that were just on top, which would have been, uh, you know, Cheap Trick, Journey with the Infinity album, mm-hmm. uh, Boston with Don't Look Back, all that kind of stuff. N- Nugent, you had all those like that was the prime time for something like Van Halen one to come out. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is why that just was so stunning to people by 1980 people are still like you know digesting that they've mm-hmm. got the two other albums to digest they're still trying desperately to catch up with where eddie van halen is at right and, and you think about you know, the music again to your point of the yeah. 80s when you've got that tradition going on you've got a lot of the like the first introduction to like power pop with your skinny ties and like that right. new wave jangly guitar rock that's taking over from disco you've got um that early 80s country that conway twitty ish kind of thing that's still kind of taking over the airwaves there's Here's a eddie lot Rabbit. going on there, at that were, time. there was a lot to really dive last- through with all of this stuff right and sorry to cut you off but the last vestiges of disco mm-hmm. still Absolutely. i mean this is early 1980 yeah. and i mean disco people like to say disco was dead by 1980 but it, it was still no, it there was... man it was still hanging on just barely mm-hmm. and it was morphing into something else as was 70s stadium rock mm-hmm. was went through a little period there where it started to morph into something else and this is the start of that morph <laughs> how many well, more times to, can i say that, morph to your point on that <laughs> one of my favorite Van Halen songs of all time. Everybody wants some is yeah. on this album. Oh, there's man. just so much to that song. Like it's party rock, it's driving rock. You know, there's a little bit of that breakdown in the middle. You know, where he the the cookie doo luchi loo. Like there's a little bit of yeah. that scatty thing that's in there. Um, but like once you hear that opening chord, like it was it was on. And honestly, there there was the movie that came out the the spiritual successor to Dazing of Views, which was Everybody Wants Some by Linkletter. Which if right. you haven't seen it, is a great like eighties. Not a send up of a movie, but it's a really great homage to portions of the eighties. And you know, this this was featured very well in it. It was a great it was a great song to use as the inspiration of that movie ish, so to speak. And if we're gonna be talking about movies, we have to talk about its inclusion in the John Cusack classic Better Off Dead mm. featuring Claymation uh Burger singing like David Lee Roth. <laughs> Side two of this album starts with Tora Tora, which is kind of like, it seems like a little throwaway thing, but it's literally like, oh my God, this sounds like doom death metal. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like something I would write for, for November's doom, you know, like it's, it's so heavy. And then it goes into loss of control, which again, like you can listen to that song and I go, oh my God, this sounds like Vinnie Paul and Dimebag See, Darryl. And to me, like loss of control yeah. was the first song that felt like they were taking more chances. They yes. were getting heavier and they were doing something a little bit different with it. And like the side two of this is one of my more favorite side twos, primarily because of loss of control. Like when you listen to that, yeah. it's not... 
that like party rock let's go have some fun like there's some serious names behind that, that it's, like, it's they, insane. They, had, they had range they had variants it was great it's insane and then to think about the fact that two songs later they went from loss of control mm-hmm. to could this be magic <laughs> so but in between those is take your whiskey take your whiskey home and, and right. so that one again another acoustic tune that's very in line with um with ice cream man where you start right. with that that acoustic kind of stuff and eventually it ends up rocking right and then you know you have could this be magic it's it's freaking bluegrass for the most part like yeah. this, this this like bluegrass bass kind of thing and slide like, guitar yeah and yeah. you want to talk and like all the way through they, at no point does it like rock up or anything like that they just let the song exist for what it is so you've got this super heavy and then they come all the way back to show this acoustic side of it and you know we've had conversations several times and, and adam our drummer in underground profits right has brought up uh, mr big and yeah. to be with you and how you had this band that had this really great heavy side but the first thing that they introduced was to be with you and the public loved that song no other song on the album sounded like that it was heavier and rocking and yeah. i think that that's what really kind of like we talk about it that's kind of what did them in this is the exact opposite they had already proven themselves van halen by being this great uh talented band that was all over the place and then you have one super heavy song and two songs later you've got this bluegrassy slide feel and they pulled it off and and everybody fucking loved it that's and that's the key part right there that's really interesting to me about van halen and i I was thinking about this earlier today as i was listening to them is that it's so interesting that people that i mean now people listen to van halen and people don't consider van halen necessarily to be like a heavy metal band but back then this was absolutely considered to be metal hard mm-hmm. rock at the very least okay and what's interesting is that guys loved this band they didn't mind the the could this be magics they didn't mind the dance the night away mm-hmm. like there wasn't like this idea that like oh you know van halen would be cool if everything sounded like yeah. on fire and stuff like they that they fucking sold out because they're doing some bluegrass on no, this album no that, that everybody never expected came up. that of van halen and people loved them it was for the kitchiness and, and and roth sold that like he was yeah. such a goof of things he to me he was like that late 70s early 80s jack black like you could put david lee roth in any situation and it didn't matter he could be holding a monkey in one hand a sledgehammer in the other and he could have an alien writing him you know on his back and you'd be like oh that's classic roth look at that right now i will say that i do feel like as the 80s went on later he he did lose some people because he started to just get a little bit overboard with that. He outrothed himself. He outrothed himself. It was there was more roth than yeah. people could could handle. But uh, but overall, no, absolutely. So for me, this album, like I said, this is a close number two. I, I think this is a, a a perfect album, and the only reason that I feel like it goes just slightly behind Van Halen two is it's a little short. Mm-hmm. It it it. I, I'm done with this album just when I'm like ready, you know, like I'm ready for like two, three more songs. Yeah. It's done. And to your point, because they were cranking these albums out so quick, it's a miracle we got what mm-hmm. we got. But still, it's a little bit short, whereas I feel like Van Halen 2 was like just about the perfect length. So this one creeps in right behind it for me. Where does this rank for you? For me, this is number five out of the seven. Um, wow. and, and it, but it was tough. I mean, there's a lot going on and there's a lot, you know, as, as we talk about some of the other albums that really push those albums higher. This one for me other than like the heaviness and that it just didn't it didn't emotionally connect with me the ways that the other one did okay um you know there weren't like 
to your point, I, I, I don't know that I can. I say to your point a lot. <laughs> to your point. To my um, point. To your point, sir. It, it, it was a shorter album, and I feel like the, there were little snippets that I liked here and I liked here, but to me, it wasn't as cohesive as an album as I would have liked it to be. And I, I think for okay. that, it kind of it kind of falls lower on the list for me. Yeah, I could kind of see that. I could see your point on that. Absolutely. It's, it's not completely removed from what I was saying, but I can agree with that. On the other hand, <laughs> next up, we have Fair Warning. And I'm, I'm going to, after you, well... Yeah, hang on. So, fair. <laughs> no, Next up, we have fair warning. <laughs> next up, we have fair oh, yeah. warning. So, fair warning. Uh huh. This is the next album. I'm I'm trying. No, no, I don't, no, no. I don't have I don't have the the zazz with this stuff. That oh you no, do. you're fine. So, fair warning released April 29th, 1981. <laughs> so again, just Another just slightly year later, over a yeah. year, you know. Um, and then once again, continuing on with the trend, not as much of a dip, but still a bit of a dip. Mm-hmm. This one only sold just over two million copies in the U.S. But and, peaked the highest of any of them so far. Right. So it's interesting. What, At number five. What we're seeing here mm-hmm. is that the sales numbers are going down, but they're peaking higher on the charts, which is interesting because you think that those would be synonymous with each other. Well, I think what's happening now is that Van Halen is such a popular band and they've got such their hardcore following that people are going out and anticipating the album coming mm-hmm. out. And so they're buying it right away which you know if you get a lot of people i mean it happens all the time you see bands that it's like even nowadays you see bands that it's like oh their new album came out and it and it charted in the first week at number three and two weeks later it's at like number 59 Mm -hmm. like it drops really quick and that's again usually just indicative of the hardcore fans went out and bought it right away Indicative. Yeah, it is, it is indicative of that. So I think that's where this is happening. Again, we're talking April 1981. They're still, they're right in the thick of that weird transitory time uh, in the decade where we don't, you know, people, some people are still yet to discover Van Halen. Some people are looking at Van Halen like that might be an old style, you know, because now we're getting into new romantic mm-hmm. and even early uh, uh, hints of hip hop and Michael Jackson stuff was just on the horizon. It was a weird transitory time. And so this album. I think for uh, as long with other reasons ended up not doing as well. And this seems to be, I mentioned it earlier. This seems to be a really controversial album. I want to throw it to you since I started with the last one. Oh, what absolutely. do you think of fair warning? All right. So well, first let's, let's talk about the songs around here. Yeah. We have, we have mean streets. Oh yeah. Dirty movies. Yep. Sinner swing. Mm-hmm. Hear about it later. Unchained, which is probably the song that most people know off yeah. of this album. Uh, push comes to shove. So this is love. Sunday Afternoon in the Park, which is an instrumental, and then One Foot Out the Door. Right. Um, so he, this particular album, actually, and I'll write from the get-go, um, yeah. this is number four for me. This falls flat in the middle. Okay. Um, so they, they got a little bit more bold with this. It seems like Van Halen is pushing the limit with every album that's coming out. They're evolving. You know, They're kind of loving the sound that they have, but they're also taking some chances with this. Sunday Afternoon in the Park it's it's a very synth wave type yeah. tune if you listen to that it's the synth heaviest that they have gotten mm-hmm. so far and it's almost got a john carpenter-esque kind of feel to it like you could almost take the song and throw it in stranger things and it would it would fit in I very that. very well yeah um and honestly it's one of the things that i loved about this album because it felt like that particular instrumental was a great departure from so much of the other stuff that we had heard before um that i absolutely loved it um you know you have push comes to shove which 
to me has this like Rolling Stones miss you type feel to it. It's almost got this like this great like swing groove kind of to it. And and you can kind of hear that inspiration from some of those classic rock bands. Right. And, And to me, it was one of the first times that while Van Halen has always been really good about putting their spin on other songs, this was one of the first albums when I'd heard it that I could actually hear inspiration from other bands in Van Halen music. Okay. Um, and like I said, it could have just been the time that, you know, I was listening to it. You know, I'm sure that there are other inspirations. But for me, it was one of the first times that I'd kind of realized that bands influence other bands. You know, as oh, an yeah. eight or ten year old, you don't really think about that so much as you do when you get older. That's true. But but it was it was there for me. Um, mean Streets, just the intro on that. I mean, that's oh, a that's... hell of a way to start an album. And then uh, Unchained. Like, that's just one of those songs, like, whenever it comes on, I have to crank it up. Like, it is one of the best known songs off the album. But it's that for a reason for me. So yeah. that's that's where I kind of feel about this. Like I said, I feel like they took more chances with it, and I love the introdu- the introduction of the synth as part of things. I yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so this one you said was number number four, four smack dab for in the you, middle. This album ends up being second from the bottom for me. This album really? is actually number six. And again, folks, for people that if there's anybody at home freaking out, being like, "What the fuck?" It's like, dude, I love all of these uh-huh. albums. Like any of them are great. You know, number six is still amazing but here's the thing for me with this album um here's the great irony is that so much of my favorite music so many of my favorite albums as as is typical for a lot of people tends to be the first album you got from that Mm -hmm. artist right like that's that's how i feel about so many of them ironically this was the first van halen album i ever i ever got i got this when it was new i or newish like yeah probably late 81 something like that Fair Warning was the first album I got, and I have to admit, I, I while there was elements of it that I was like, oh man, this is great. Like, I loved it. There was a lot of stuff on this album that I just found myself picking up the needle and skipping over. Um, Dirty Movies was okay, you know? Hear About It Later is pretty cool, pretty cool song, but again, to me, is kind of okay. Unchained is one of the greatest, one of, one of, possibly in the top five or at least top ten greatest guitar riffs Mm -hmm. of all time. You pick up a guitar that's tuned to D, you automatically start Mm -hmm. playing Unchained (laughs) if you know your fucking worth, man. Like, you just just do that. It's one of the greatest riffs. So Unchained, Unchained alone, you know, keeps this album up there. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, Push Comes to Shove is cool. So this love is okay. And then the last song's like, again... I, the, a lot of to what you're saying about a lot of the experimentation that they started doing on this album, I feel like Sunday afternoon in the park and then one foot out the door. It's interesting. They're interesting songs. I can appreciate them on an interesting level, but they're not things that I go. You know what I feel like listening to Sunday afternoon in the park and yeah. one foot out the door. You know the whole thing with the synth kind of fuzz synth bass. Mm-hmm. There's no rhythm guitar going on 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 out the door, and not until the guitar solo comes in, it's cool. I give them props for like, hey man, fourth album, we gotta we gotta mix it up. We gotta try some other things. Blah blah blah. It just didn't quite resonate with me the way I would have hoped it would. The things that I love on this album, like Mean Street, Center Swing, Unchained, I absolutely adore. Absolutely adore. There's just not, when compared to 
some of the other albums, there's just not mm-hmm. enough there for me to, uh, and, and so as such, kind of like what I was saying about women and children first, but even more so because there's skips for me on this album, it feels just super short. It's one of those albums where I only refer to it if I'm making a playlist and I want those three songs or four, maybe four songs that I feel like listening to. But this is not an album that I regularly just put on fair warning. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And and I I feel the same way. That's why it falls kind of right in the middle for me. And and again, even like, you know, when we're talking about the scoring, that may mean that this gets like an 8.2 where my next one gets an 8.4. Like, it's so minute in the differences of how I have to rank them. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. That's, That's exactly right. Just because I'm putting this at number six out of seven doesn't mean that this is like a, two, a crap like album. A three, no, three stars out of ten or something yeah. like that. That's no, it's still awesome, but it's just not as awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving right along. Next up, we have the iconic. Oh, iconic album cover. I mean, you can see this from like across a store, anything like <laughs> yep. that. You know what this album is. In 1982, there was many a conversion van painted with this symbol on the yes. side. <laughs> yes, there was. You still, if you're in the right the place. Shagging the shagging wagon. Yep. I was saying, you're right place at the right time, you might still see this painted on uh-huh. an album. So we are into the, probably the most controversial album in the whole bunch, which is Diver Down. Mm-hmm. This album came out April 14th, 1982. I remember very well because I got it from the Columbia House Record Club. <laughs> was, I, was it under your actual name and address yes wow it was yeah wow. i used to i yeah i wasn't a ripoff i no, used to no. i, I, used I, to I totally pay for i had mine. like yeah i had like four or five of those columbia record accounts oh and it was oh geez yeah no, I, I, <laughs> I had one advantage no I, advantage. I yeah no 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 <laughs> i and i loved the record club because i got exposed to a lot of really cool things because sometimes you'd forget to send in the card mm-hmm. and then you'd get the selection of the month and i'd be like oh what the man hell is this? yeah i didn't ask for this live pat benatar album mm-hmm. but i got it and and then I was like, well, I'm going to listen to it. And holy shit, this is a great album. Yep. Had that happened, Bonnie Tyler, Faster Than the Speed of Night or whatever it was. <laughs> that that was one of the ones with Total Eclipse of the Heart. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ring you back in. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm just saying. Right. So, one of, so one of the, it was, this was in April, I think it was, of 82. This was the selection of the month. And uh, it peaked at number three, so highest chart position. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, we doubled the amount of sales. Uh, this one actually sold o- uh, over twice as much as the previous album. This mm-hmm. one went over four million in the U.S. alone. So we're starting to see, like what we were just talking about, we're starting to see that transition and that change where the new wave of hard rock and metal and all that is starting to take a foothold mm-hmm. with the public and Van Halen has weathered the storm of you know a, a lot of those other bands your 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 Bostons and your and a lot of, and a lot of that kind of stuff has kind mm-hmm. of been pushed aside and forgotten and they they're not really doing anything anymore but a couple of bands like Journey and more and especially Van Halen they've managed to hang on and become part of that new sound that new hard rock 80s thing this is mm-hmm. this even though this is their third album in the decade of the 1980s this is their first 80s album mm-hmm. i would say and then especially by the next album but we'll, we'll mm-hmm. not want to get ahead of myself so for me i again i mentioned that this was a controversial album the reason this album was controversial is because a little quick history about it 
Van Halen were touring constantly. And the cranking out an album year after year after year was really weighing down on them by this point. People in the band were getting cranky with each other. And uh, there was there was a little bit of division uh, in the ranks about what we should be doing next. And let's take a little bit more time with that experimenting that happened mm-hmm. on Fair Warning and everything. Um, so they, they, to appease the record label, they decided they were going to record a single. Let's put a single out there just, just to tide people over and going to their default, they said, well, we'll do a cover Mm -hmm. so we don't have to write anything. That song ended up being their version of Oh Pretty Woman, the Roy Orbison song. Well, once the public and the label heard it, they went, oh, no, 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 this is so good. Like, this is great. And people loved it. They're like, we need more mm-hmm. of this. They, they shot themselves in the foot by releasing the album <laughs> they, and tied people over. They they did. So what ended up happening was the band said, well, we don't have enough time to go in and write eight or nine mm-hmm. new songs. So let's do an album where we kind of go half and half, basically. Let's do a bunch of, pick a bunch of covers We'll work on the covers, and then we've got a small amount of some new material that we think is strong enough we can put on there, and let's just get this out so that we can you know, get back on the road, keep mm-hmm. making that money, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, even to this day, the members of the band have split opinions about how they feel about this album. I want to state here and now, I love this album. Again, I got it when it came out. I realize there's a lot of covers on it. I realize there's a couple things on here that are sort of like, eh, you know, they're they're not something. I'm not necessarily anxious to go put on Happy Trails. You know what I mean? I'm not na- necessarily anxious to go put on Big Bad Bill as Sweet William now. Uh, but not that there's anything wrong with those songs. But, you know, there's a few things on here that are a little bit throwaway. But the stuff that is on this album that I love, I really, really love. And this album actually ranks higher for me than uh, Fair Warning does. This album for me is uh, number four on my list. It's just after just after the debut album. And I know I'm probably in the minority with that. I think this is a great album, man. Uh, the Kinks cover they do, Where mm-hmm. Have All the Good Times Gone? I mean, you know, most people don't even know that it's a Kinks song. Mm. And I didn't a, for the longest time. Yeah, no. and, a, and a lot of people sit there and go, oh, God, do we need two Kinks covers from them? Well, yeah, I think when it's Van Halen, we do, because they even more so than You Really Got Me, they really made this one their own. Mm-hmm. It's great. Hang em High, great song. Cathedral, super cool. I never knew you could use a volume uh, control like that, using mm-hmm. reverb and volume. I mean, there have now been made named after that just mm-hmm. just to do that effect secrets is a cool song kind of mellow song intruder we're back at like what we had with saturday afternoon in the park mm-hmm. we've got another experimental kind of thing uh oh pretty woman i mean obviously i'm i grew up a huge roy orbison fan and while i still prefer the roy orbison version i mean the van halen version just rocks i you know that riff was just made mm-hmm. made for eddie van halen Dancing in the street. Uh, people are really divided on this one, but I think it's great. Little guitars and everything. That, that I call that the Etch a Sketch song, right? Because in that one, Etch a Sketch, Etch a Sketch. I know that's not what he says, but but when I when you're nine years old uh, yeah, you and you get the new Van Halen album in 1982 and, and you're rocking next to yeah. 
to me, I didn't, I couldn't remember the name of that song for the longest time when I would talk to my friends on the playground and everything. I'd be like, I like that Etch a Sketch song. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew what I was talking about. Of course. About. They understood because it sounds like Etch a Sketch. Uh-huh. Anyway, and again, like I said, the other songs like Big Bad Bill, Happy Trails, and The Full Bug's a good song too. Mm-hmm. This especially is, it's, I love side one of this album. I can listen to side one over and over and over again. I just love it. I get why people feel like this was, a little bit of a, a letdown. Um, for one thing, it's not as heavy of an album as their previous two mm-hmm. albums. Fair Warning and especially Women and Children First and stuff, those were heavy albums, man. Like for the real rivet heads that love Van Halen, like there was a lot to love. This album, again, that's why I said this is kind of more that 80s. This is really hinting at where Van Halen is going to go mm-hmm. in the next few years. This was the little hint there. Um, you listen to songs like secrets you listen to songs like little guitars and you can hear elements of not only what you're going to get with the next album but you hear the the elements of where they're going to go with their van 100 percent van hagar era you hear that in these songs Mm -hmm. and you didn't you didn't hear that in the previous four van halen albums but this one you could take a song like secrets and Mm -hmm. wipe the vocal off and give it to sammy and be like sing on this and like it would fit right into like oh you eight one two or mm-hmm. something like that like it you really start to see that and i don't i don't think that's a bad thing i think it was time for van halen mm-hmm. to go that route because again we had four albums of that other sound and again for me fair warning was a mixed bag you know like yeah i love the heaviness but at the same time van halen isn't all about heavy man mm-hmm. you know and van halen is about Moving on, it needed. We needed a little bit of sunshine in there. Absolutely, and we got it with this. For me, I'm weirdly again. I'm I'm divided by this as well. I'm divided by the album that I discovered when I was ten or twelve, right? And then the album that it is now. And you're right. This is the least Van Halen album of the Van Halen albums because it is. There's twelve songs on here. Out of those twelve, five of them are covers. Eight of them are instrumentals. Right. So out of that, you have four songs that are true to me, true Van Halen songs. Like the instrumentals right. are great, but you know most radio stations, most like house parties, they're not going to put on you know uh, yeah cathedral. go put on cathedral yeah. yeah you're not going to do that. So I'm I'm very torn by that. However, that said. This is my top Van Halen album. This is my number one. Really? It is. Oh, that's awesome. It is. It that is. makes me really excited. <laughs> no, I, I, and, and again, uh, a Pretty Woman, like a, again, oh, yeah. great cover, great cover. Um, and my memory may be fading me at this point, but in Weird Science. Yes, it's it's in a version of Weird Science. They had to they moved they removed yes, it later yes, because of the royalties. Well, of, yeah, like, yeah. But I remember mm-hmm. in the in the very first in the version mall. in the mall. Yeah, yep. when they get into the Porsche. The I was so excited when I day. when exactly. I saw that yes, scene. Yes, one hundred percent. I love that. See, for me, side two though takes precedence over side one. Wow. I I got I grew up doing theater, so okay. for me, I had this great hard rock and heavy metal band that was doing Big Bad Bill and Happy Trails and these like very theatrical type Makes songs sense. that made me love them so much more yeah. because it was the meeting of my two worlds and I loved it. Makes you know, sense. You know, if you listen to um, Big Bad Bill, one of the things I loved about that is, you know, you had Ice Cream Man before. You had some of these other songs where they started acoustic and light, but they felt like they had to rock it up halfway through. They had to throw the distortion on and the heavy drums. Big Bad Bill, they left it alone. From right. beginning to end, it's 
campy and like ragtimey, and they didn't have to take it anywhere else. They let right. it stand on its own, and I loved it. Same thing with Happy Trails. Like you listen to them. I loved Happy Michael Trails. Anthony, one of the best harmonizers, background singers. Like he can fill up a, a song with his, and he is so underrated for it. It pisses me off sometimes because. His background vocals, his harmonies are amazing. But you listen to something like Happy Trails, and it's not perfect. It was almost like these four or five guys that are just sitting around a campfire and they're just singing. Which is it. what it's supposed to be. But if you listen to some of their other songs, they have the ability. They could have done oh, yeah. full harmony on that and done it perfectly, and they chose not to. And I loved that. I love that yep. they kind of pulled back and gave the song what it needed rather than what they could produce it into being. Um, Cathedral again to your point like to to hear a guitar making those sounds for the first yep. time was like I, I had to listen to that like three or four times I'm like what is that there's no way that's the guitar it, it can't be oh yeah um, I was playing guitar by that point I had I had I was new to it but I was already taking lessons and I mean hearing things like that I I just didn't even understand what I was listening yeah to. like even. Uh, like you look at uh, the Carnal Knowledge album when he's using the uh, the cordless drill yep. on that. Like it was ways of taking this instrument and using it in a way that it was not known or designed to be played as. And I love right. that. Um, and, you, and you were talking a little earlier about this being a great lead into 1984. Yeah. If you listen to Hang 'Em High, there's some two hand tapping that's going on in there that you can hear an evolution of what is going to become Hot for Teacher right. and and those kind of things. It's it is it's that it's like a teaser album for the next album it's exactly that's exactly right but but i loved i love the covers i love the instrumental this one and again in my formative years there was something about finding this album of that rock band that it was theater and rock and all these things and they weren't afraid to be themselves and do what they did number one for that reason specifically that's awesome that you might be the only person i've ever met in my life that says this is their favorite van halen album i adore it but i'm not complaining i you know this isn't this isn't my favorite as i said i mean but it's right up there it's number four man on certain days of the week it could be Mm -hmm. any one of these could be but what a great album i think that i really wish that people would go back and give this album a little bit more of a chance because i know a lot of fans that say oh yeah i never listened to diver down and i'm like dude go back and listen to it just put it on right time you know when you're cruising it's like june and Mm -hmm. there's warm air put it on in your car it's a a great summer album and going back to what i feel conflicted about because it is primarily a covers album and instrumental i feel bad calling this my favorite van halen album because it is the least van halen of all the van halen albums based on original works in it yeah but to me that doesn't bother me because like i said for van halen is you know if this was a kiss album and half the songs were covers i'd be like eh, that's not right mm-hmm. you know if it was uh, even there's certain bands that i associate two bands that i give a lot of leeway with that would be metallica and van halen because both bands are just so known for their covers and for what those songs mean to them and mm-hmm. how they make them their own metallica's covers that they've done most of them not all of them but most of them are Metallica songs now, you know, so, and same with Van Halen. So I, I got no problem with that. That's, that's super cool, yeah. man. All right. But moving right along here to the best known of all of the albums. Yeah. Arguably, possibly the most successful mm-hmm. or at least, at least of the Roth era. I mean, this one, 
just about ties with the uh, debut album. Actually, I think it I think it even surpasses it in, yeah. in a few ways. Released so, on my birthday, January 9th, 9th 1984. 1984. Yeah. And uh, this one peaked at number two. So this was the highest charting Van Halen album to date. And, and sold as much as the debut album at 10 million. Yeah. And actually, actually, maybe I think at this point I was reading something that said they think that this has probably actually sold more. A lot of these chart numbers I really want to bring up too are not super accurate because all these 70s and 80s albums, this was before they they had sound scan so they're not super accurate this is an interesting album and i think I, this I, is I wanna... one where you and i are probably going to deviate i think the most out yeah, of... probably so i'm going to let you run with this first all right so okay so we had uh how many songs nine songs on this album yeah we had 1984 which Inch- leads another into, instrumental. Yeah, another instrumental, which leads into Jump. Right. I mean, great. Talk about a great way to start an album, Jump. Uh, you got Panama. You got Top Jimmy, mm-hmm. Drop Dead drop Legs. Right. Then we Kicking off side, side two. two, Hot for Teacher. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Way to start a side two. I'll Wait. Yeah. Girl Gone Bad and House of Pain. Right. Um, for me, this is number two. and uh, I figured it would yeah, be. Yeah, it, it's, it's high. And, and, and a lot of it is, it was their best known album. Like, it, it was their most commercially successful album. And there are a lot of people that, you know, when you talk about the bands, oh, that's the one they sold out on. And because it's so popular, it's one of the ones I like the least. I'm not that guy. I like, I, I am the general public. I like what the general public likes a lot. Um, you know, uh, when we're looking at things, you know, 1984, the way that instrumental came in, again, synthwave, like this, yeah. this was their synthiest album yet. And it yeah, was it such was. a departure from the guitars. They took big chances with this and it really paid off. I mean, those first three songs are so synth heavy. The guitar is there, but it's supplemental. You know, it's not, it's not competing with anything else. Um, I, but I absolutely love that. You know, again, jump in Panama, like, yeah. I will crank those every single time. Um, there was an episode of Family Guy when they were playing Panama. I don't know if you've seen this episode, but Probably. Peter had gotten, he went to the library and found out that he could rent CDs and he rented 1984. And this entire Family Guy episode is all about how much he loves the song Panama. <laughs> and at one point he gets in trouble and he's running from the cops and he's doing this like Thelma and Louise kind of thing where he's going to jump this gorge in this canyon and you hear the cops going oh man he's he's going to time it he's going to time it with the break he's going to time it with the break in the song <laughs> and sure enough as soon as that break happens in the song the car launches and they, and they, and they extend it out just enough to give it that like family guy thing and then he hits the ground and the song keeps going and I'm like yeah. that is the perfect that's use funny. of that song I have, to, I have not yeah. seen that then that's oh, not yeah, what I was totally thinking I have to look that up because that's pretty Fun. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and then, like, side two, Hot for Teacher. Oh, you yeah. want to talk about things that were done musically. You had uh, you had Alex, who is playing the drums, that every single drummer I know, mine included, Adam, had learned that song. And mm-hmm. he learned it trying to figure out how in the hell Alex is doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you find out later, it's overdubbed. There are multiple drum parts going on that layer it so much. And to me, you have modern drummers today who are learning it on one kit, when Alex did all of these overdubs, it's amazing. That entire song, like all the way through, you know, was the, yeah. the, the content of that song. The video made that song. Oh, you man. know, uh, oh my God, who, you know, Carrie and my wife and I joke around all the time. We're like, we're late for something. And I'm like, I don't know, feel tardy. Yeah, right. You know, the, the oh, little yeah. throwaway lines in that that are Iconic just great. Like, song. you know, I got my pencil. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, give me something to write give on. Give me man. something to write on, yep. man. You know, uh, 
this those three songs, Jump Panama and Hot for Teacher, those are the ones that iconically as a general public to me define Van Halen. You don't have to know any other song, but if you know those three, you 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 get the feel for who Van Halen is. As right. is that general perception of. Yes, there are deeper tracks and things like that, but if you want to really know and appreciate and love them, those are those three songs. On the flip side for me, I'll wait is an underrated song as far as I'm concerned on this album. I absolutely love this song because, again, it is so synth-heavy in that. Um, and it's not like Jumper Panama where the synth is poppy and it's light and it's there. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. Or, yeah, goes into... It gets deeper. It gives more of that that synth wave feel that I love from you know from Joy Division and and New Order and and those kind of things. It, the Pet Shop Boys, like you could tell that they were also listening to what was going on with the rest of the music industry right. and bringing that into what they were doing. So for me, like I said, because it is such a a popular album, I, I love it for that reason. It hit me in the way that it should have. I have no problems with it being a popular album. It's another one. I got it when it came out. And again, do as there aspects of this album that I love? Yeah. But for me, and I have to admit, it was really hard. It was just as hard figuring out what to put at the bottom of the list as what to put at the top of mm-hmm. the list for all the reasons we've mentioned multiple times. Now. Is this at the bottom of your list? This is actually at the bottom of my list. This is number seven. And I I went back and forth about whether or not it would be this or fair warning this album i mean jump i i don't dislike jump for all the like i actually i don't dislike jump i i know a lot of people do a lot of people dislike jump and stuff oh it's kind of a wimpy song i don't like the keyboards blah 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 i the keyboards are great i you know you know me i love synth i love mm-hmm. new wave i love all that kind of stuff so that's not like a deal breaker for me but jump is just kind of um the songwriting aspect of it isn't quite what i would want i guess it's not enough to keep me like really engaged Mm -hmm. um even when it first came out i remember hearing it and whereas like everything i'd heard from van halen before whenever i heard the first song or whatever on an album i was like wow you know and i remember hearing jump and i was just like like it, it wasn't something where i ran to school the next day and was like did you hear that van halen song it was just okay so then I got, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to, because the single came out like a couple months before the album did. I remember that very clearly. I remember seeing the debut of the video on Friday Night Videos on NBC. I still probably have that on tape somewhere. And I remember seeing it and just being like, oh, it's it's okay. It's all right. Well, you know what? It's Van Halen. They're all over the place. I'll wait until I get the album and then I'll, and then I'll see what they've got. And... It's a good album, but I think for me, because what I love about albums like Diver Down, what I love about albums like the first one, what I love about albums like uh, Women and Children First is I love the diversity. I love having an album that's got, you know, On Fire as well as Ice Cream Man or that's got... Could this be magic as well as loss of control? I love that diversity. This album doesn't feature that kind of diversity. Now, they did venture into new territory with Eddie and his keys and stuff. And again, I didn't hate that. I was like, okay, that's cool. But in general of the songwriting, this became 
much more streamlined mm-hmm. and more typical in ways of what we were going to see then from the Hagar era. Absolutely. This one felt the most cohesive to me out of all the Van Halen albums. Right. And I understand where you or other people would go, well, that's what I like about it. For me, given my tastes and what I love about Van Halen, it was that overt cohesiveness that like, it didn't make it a bad album. I don't hate this album. I love this album overall, but... Again, it's it, a 6.9 versus a 7.2. Yes, right exactly. It's it, And you know what? I wouldn't even put it that low because the things on this album that are great are great. You know, Panama is one of my favorite Van Halen songs. I, I love playing it. I, it's, I love listening to it, especially in the right mood. Crank it up. Hot for Teacher, oh my God. I mean, that goes without saying. One of the best rock songs of all time. You know, House of Pain is cool. Girl Gone Bad is cool. I'll Wait is a song that I don't, I don't dislike it. It just, even when it came out as a single, I was always just sort of like, okay, you know, that was the other thing, because this was the second single. This came out after Jump, and I was just like, oh, okay. Like, they were really trying to push that side of it, and I admit it, 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 it probably colored my overall feeling about this album i just found myself not wanting to put this album on as much as i wanted to put on diver down or as much as i wanted to put on van halen too i think for me that was one of the interesting things about us going through and re-listening to these is it was so different the way that the singles were released or what was kind of pushed on you yeah for for somebody else to want you to listen to something in a certain order uh and to go back and to listen to these the way that we want to right it, it it does definitely color the difference in that sure. you know and, and like i said with all weight i love the style of it when it came out originally i was like eh, i don't like this as much as the other van halen stuff but now as an adult looking back at how it was influenced and how they pulled those things in that's what i appreciate all the more i like it better now as an adult i will admit that i do feel more strongly about the album and about i'll wait in particular i like it much more now as an adult than i did when i was 13 mm-hmm. you know 14 years old or and to me that's the beauty of music and that's one of the things I love about us having these discussions is what you think is amazingly awesome at a certain point in your life when you're younger is colored a certain way. But as you grow and you learn other things and you come back to revisit these, you're like, holy crap, I see what's going on now that I wasn't yeah. aware of before. Right. Really cool. I think, though, that's interesting to me going into the transition to the 2012 album, A Different Kind of Truth, yeah. which, like I had mentioned to you I completely forgot existed until we started having conversations about discussing the Roth era albums. That's um, interesting. So, I mean, this was February of 2012. Yeah. Um, you know, we had gone through all the Hagar stuff. Um, was this pre or post Sharon? Oh, this was post. Okay, Sharon, so Sharon was he did, in he the did band. His one album. He did Van Halen 3. That was in 1998. Okay. And that that's a whole... We'll, we're saving that for another discussion. Mm. But, um, yeah, so there was a, a pretty long period because you figure Dave officially exited the band in 1985. He did have a brief reunion with the band back in the 90s, but we'll talk about that in a, in a minute. Um, and then finally came back to the band around, I think it was around 2006. Mm-hmm. They toured for several years. At this point, Wolfgang Van Halen is now on bass, and he's also acting as a co-producer along with Eddie. 
and everything. And uh, eventually, they dug through a bunch of old tapes. Uh, they had some new ideas. They had a bunch of really, really old ideas. We're talking going back to the demos they made with Gene Simmons at the helm back in 1977. And they said, we've got enough here to make an album. Let's Let's do it. And so they came out with... A different kind of truth. Talk about a comeback, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if so, this album ended up peaking at number two on the Billboard 200. Though it did make it to number one, they're finally a number one album for the Roth era stuff. Um, it was number one on the rock charts. That's you know now we've got like fifty different yeah, charts you can the be al- on the adult alternative and the adult <laughs> right. contemporary and like yeah. But so the Roth era Van Halen stuff never made it higher than two on the regular Billboard 200 chart. And now, we're again, so we went from 1984 to 2012 and just talking about a difference, a sign of the times. This is estimated to have sold, get this, around 500,000 copies in the United States. So, well, you know, thank you, Internet and Napster yeah. and Spotify and all that shit. Napster bad. Just, that's just the way it goes. Um, so, yeah, going from over 10 million copies for the last album, which was 1984, mm-hmm. we got half a mil for this one. Although, but again, that being said... Half a mil is still pretty, is, by today's standards, yeah, I, is pretty yeah. good, man. You Nothing know? to shake a stick at. No, exactly, exactly. And this album's also, like, it's really hard. I want to say, like, th- this is this is a, a foreign import version, we'll call it. Um, this is really hard to get. You can't even listen to it on Spotify. No, right I couldn't now. find it. Yeah, so that's not helping matters either. Um, Matthew, what do you think of this album? Uh, this is my lowest rated album at number okay. seven. Okay. Um, so you've got 13 songs on here. Listening to this, and again, I, I remember listening to this when it first came out, and maybe once or twice, and then coming back to it 11 years later. Um, yeah. it, it is definitely, it's much more mature, even though it is older material. You, you can hear the maturity in their playing, in the singing. Um, to me, it's the most produced album that they have put out. Yeah. It's the one that, that sounds, I don't want to say the most put together, but it is front to back. You, you can hear the production value has been completely raised versus what it was in 1984. And, you know, a lot of that is just... Even, even compared to the, the Hagar albums, yeah. I think there's like a massive Absolutely. step up. And I think a lot of that is Wolfgang, yeah. too, because he's great. I mean, uh, it's well written all the way around. Like the, the storytelling, the writing of the songs, there's more age to this one, I, yeah. I feel. Um one of the things that I feel like with the guitar and the drums, when you listen to this, even though they have been playing together for years and years and years, there wasn't anything incredibly groundbreaking with the drums or the guitar. Like when you okay. heard older albums to me, you you got a lot of that. They were trying something for the first time. This, I, get that. I feel like they were a well-oiled machine that was in their groove and they were comfortable and they played that. And that's nothing wrong with that. I just, you could hear this is a band that's been around for 30 years that knows each other really, really well. Um, that said, there's, certain aspects of it like even with like honey baby sweetie doll that there's a lot of rhythm and syncopation that's going that you can tell they've been playing these for a while it was almost it had almost like an extreme type feel to it where it's almost got that rock funk feel to it that i I really liked for some of it um you know stay frosty i love that stay frosty they went back to that ice cream man kind of feel to it it's still got that like you know it's jangly and it's fun and it's light and then it rocks back in right but i feel to me 
like like any sort of like reunion album when you come back to it the times have changed okay. you know 1984 was very different than 2012 and i feel like this album was done by a band from the 80s that was trying to be relevant in 2012 and i feel to me there were certain aspects of it that feel forced that they were trying to capture you, you've got bands like bon jovi to me is a perfect example a band that has evolved with the time in real time has stayed relevant and has had a success in every decade in very different sounds to me a different kind of truth sounds like a band that really kind of petered out in the late 80s early 90s and was struggling to get that back okay i think that i mean i think there's a lot of people that echo your sentiment about that um because this is another one that it's very split amongst Mm -hmm. fans and everything uh this album people can guess since this is the last one we're talking about and there's only one space left this album was number five so kind of in the lower middle of my list i have to be honest if this album wasn't competing against the albums that it's competing against you know what i mean if it wasn't competing against van halen one and women and children first and stuff like that i I really struggled figuring out where I was going to place this because I really, really love this album. I was not expecting much from this album when it came out. I was expecting it to be very typical of a lot of older bands, comeback albums, modern day albums. I was expecting it to be just okay, you know, because... Van Halen hadn't, you know, Van Halen 3 was just okay. Uh, some of the some of the latter-day Sammy stuff to me was just okay. So I wasn't really expecting this to be what I got. And when I heard it, and again, the interesting thing was the first song they released from this album is the one that starts the album, and that's Tattoo. And that was such a fucking misstep because that song is kind of terrible. It's it's not a good song. They, I think that was the one song on this album where Dave I was trying to bring back that goofy Dave kind of kitschy, like, you know, double entendre thing, this and that and all that. And, I, and it was forced. And when it comes to that song, I agree. It, that song felt forced. And that really got this album off on the wrong foot. And I think there's, I still meet people that I ask them, did you ever hear this album? And they're like, oh man, I heard that song. Mm-hmm. I never fucking, I'm like, no, 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 no. Fuck that song. Fuck Tattoo. Forget that. If you get the album or if you listen to it online, just skip to track two and mm-hmm. go from there. Because when you get to track two, you get to an oldie that they dug up, which is She's the Woman and everything. And it's night and day. That is classic fucking Van Halen right there. She's the Woman is great. Chinatown. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that is one of my favorite, favorite songs. That song's so aggressive. That whole bass and guitar tapped intro thing that Wolf came up with, actually, um, it, using a capo and stuff. I think that it's something interesting and different. I love the idea that he came up with it and he's innovative, yeah. like his father was and everything. Uh, that uh, that song's great. Blood and Fire is great. Bullethead is great. As Is is so heavy. That mm-hmm. song is great. Out of Space is cool. Stay Frosty, like you said. There's a few things on here that it's like, if I'm not in the mood for it, I might hit the skip button. But I think this is an underrated album. And I think as far as comeback albums go, easily, to me, in the top five greatest comeback albums of any band ever, I 
Absolutely. That's why I tracked down this damn vinyl and everything. That's how much I love this album is, uh, I, I just think it's a great album. I understand what you're saying and I can't even really argue with you about some of your critique of it because it's all like pretty much correct, you know, but it's a matter of, well, does that bother you or does that appeal to you? I don't mind that it's them trying to be more modern. I don't mind that it's lacking some of the quirks that right. you got with the old Van Halen because they're to me, I feel like, like I said, looking at a song like Tattoo, I feel like that's an example of why they shouldn't do that at their age. Right. You know what and I mean? And being number seven for me doesn't mean I dislike oh, this yeah. album. No, you no, know, no. Again, I get it's, it. It's, yeah. We, we, you have to rank them in a certain order. Right. I will still listen to this and I think it's a good album, but based on what i love about them it's there there's enough to pull apart here that i have to rank it where it, it is it makes sense no it makes sense it's for the same reason i just said about 1984 mm-hmm. you know i mean there's some of the greatest van halen moments ever is on 1984 and yet it's still in last place right. so fair enough man i mean yeah so i think it's great but all, all i know is that we've been talking for quite a while about this we actually said we were going to make this a half an hour <laughs> <laughs> oh that wasn't the lies happen. we tell ourselves yeah but Here's the thing there, you know, you can't just blow through this stuff like mm-hmm. this. It's what a catalog mm-hmm. of music. And obviously Eddie's gone now. That's that we're not going to we're not going to get any more. Right. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, we've got Wolf with his Mammoth Project, which is awesome. I highly recommend you listen to that album. Don't expect it to sound just like Van Halen because mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's its own thing. But we've got other stuff, you know, Sammy's still out there. Dave's still out there. Guys are still out there doing stuff. But what we got from these seven albums, that's it. You're never going to get that nope. again. Uh, I should mention real quick for those that be like, oh, you didn't bring it up. You didn't talk about it. Uh, back in the mid late 90s, they came out with a compilation, a greatest hits compilation called Best of Volume One. And it had the very brief and aborted attempt at a reunion with David Lee Roth, mm-hmm. where they did two new songs. They did uh, Can't Get This Stuff No More and Me Wise Magic. Me Wise Magic was the one that got the most radio mm-hmm. play. They're cool songs. Yeah. They're, they're nothing that's going to knock your socks off. But um, they fit well within what you expect from Roth era Van Halen stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was it was an interesting time, you know, during that time with, with all the guys in Van Halen. There was a lot going on, and it, it reflects that in the those songs so yeah they're cool not really too much to say about it but if you're a completist then you should definitely uh go get that mm-hmm. and that's it i mean there's like there's some really cool uh like bootleg live i've got some awesome bootleg live vinyl uh of van halen from like manchester 78 and it got a, i've got a great 1984 tour bootleg that you would probably love man like i've got there's some there's stuff like that to seek out great video like you mentioned videos i mean van halen were a little little late to the game they didn't make their first official like concept video until they made the goofy pretty woman video mm-hmm. for diver down in 82 but then after that they produced some of the most yeah. iconic jump video panama video hot for teacher video like mm-hmm. these are you know, iconic. So 
you know, you can look for that stuff. We're going to talk about music videos. We're really delving into the music stuff now. We've been threatening it for five years. And, <laughs> and it's happening, damn it's it. Happening. It's happening. right we're, now. We're making it happen. So we've got so much stuff. Like, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking mm-hmm. about Van Halen. Well, for sure. And we've talked about it, too. I yeah. am I am much more of the Hagar camp than I am the, the Roth camp. So we're going to be doing a part two to this where we're dissecting all of yeah. the, uh, the Hagar stuff and yeah. what, you know, what they brought to the table and how things evolved from there. So I know that you guys probably have have a lot of opinions on everything that we've just shared oh, yeah stuff we got right i'm sure you think we got a lot of stuff wrong i i really want to know what you guys think so leave us some comments let us know um like share subscribe, subscribe all that kind die. of stuff and let us know uh yeah anything you want us to talk about it doesn't have to be about van halen it could be about any kind of music stuff we want to hear from you we've got more coming soon so see you then rock and roll thanks for listening bye everybody listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening